Uh, my name is uh, Jordan. For those of you who don't know me, grateful to join you this morning. Um, we are in an intense passage, are we not, from Lamentations? Um, I'm going to start off, off with a question to get us thinking about this, to get us into the sort of, well, Stephen did as well, to bring us into the lament there. Um, but I want to start by asking a question, and this is for you. And it is, when you are in the throes of pain and suffering, when life is going terrible, what is one of the worst things that somebody can say to you? Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. Keep it coming. You're a failure? Did I hear that? <laughs> Don't worry, you're a failure. What else? You deserve it. Yeah. These are terrible responses. How about this? Just get over it. Move on. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah. So I was going towards that direction, not of sort of, it's, it's sort of like the get over it, just move on with your life, look on the bright side, and hopefully, Hopefully, people have never given you responses like that to the pain and the suffering you've experienced. But the reality is some of you probably have received responses like that, right? Um, but I want to say this, because we're sort of doing this larger scale thing. And I want to say that I, I think that this has essentially become the default response of the church in the West. Just get over it and move on. And they're like, what do I mean by that? Well, I'm not talking about one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions with your friends or with a pastor in their church. What I'm talking about is essentially in our worship and on our liturgies, in the absence of something we call lament, the church has been essentially telling people to just get over it and move on as worshipers. That's a problem, isn't it? We don't know how to grieve well. We don't know why we should. And I know the reality is, is, guys, in a room like this, that there I know, I know as a fact, that some of you just this week went through some extremely difficult stuff. Extremely difficult. And this wasn't a special week in particular. See, that's just the reality, is that every week in a room like this, there will be some of you here who are going through or who have gone through some extremely difficult things. And on top of that, there's a sense of angst when you come into a room like this that you might be asked to sort of celebrate and be happy, clappy along with everyone else. There's a sort of expectation of that. And to be frank, that is just not where you are at. And what I want to say to you is this. This is the right place for you to be. This is the right place for you to be, no matter what you are experiencing, whether you are grieving or you are angry or you're mourning or you are in pain, the church is the right place for you to be. <laughs> Our faith is capacious enough, guys. Our faith is wide enough to handle the full range of emotions that you face in your life, no matter what it is. Scripture expresses that. Lamentations expresses that. It's so important that we don't miss that. And so it's in the light of this, in the light of all the stuff we faced this past year, from pandemics to economic uncertainty to racial tension, that the pastoral team decided, you know what, we should probably talk about this. We should probably talk about this. Just put pause on the Mark series, talk about this, and then we'll come back to our series on Mark. And so this is why we're doing this series on authentic lament 
and joy. As authentic followers of Jesus essentially are not always happy, clappy, are they? No. We grieve, we anger, we mourn as well. And we need to be given the tools and the processes to be able to go through that well. We need to be prepared to face real life, as it were, authentically. Okay, so this is why we're doing what we're doing. And this is why um, our reading was from Lamentations. Lamentations is five chapters long. It is a book of lament. There are five chapters and there are five laments in the book. Now, what is that? What is a lament? This is what we're going to be focusing in on today, the what is a lament and why and how to do it. But what is a lament? A lament is a heartfelt prayer to God in the face of pain and suffering. A heartfelt prayer to God in the face of pain and suffering. And so is it basically like an emotional rant? Yes, but it's really more than that, right? It's a prayer. It's a prayer to God. And there's a sort of there's a sort of method to the madness, a method to the madness that you even see coming out in this text. The chapters I was asked to focus in on today were chapters 1, 2, and, and 4. Actually, that's a lot of text. And so we don't have time to go through all of those verses this morning, but if you have your Bible in front of you, does anybody notice something in common about chapters 1, 2, and 4? Go for it. They are all 22 verses. Now, why are they all 22 verses? There's 22. Somebody has heard this before. <laughs> yes, that's right. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, okay? And so it's an acrostic, and it actually goes from, you know, in the English language, it'd be as if we were going from A to Z. And you know what scholars have commentated on that? Scholars have commentated, it's as if the mourner is saying, it's as if the worshiper is saying, here is the full breadth, here is the A to Z of my soul's suffering. And they express that fully to God. And so this is what lament is, this A to Z, this full breadth expression to God in the face of pain and suffering. In the context of today, our book, uh, Jerusalem, the city, has been overthrown by the Babylonian army that happened in 587 B.C. And that was the complete collapse of everything they'd ever known. You can read about this in places like Jeremiah 52. What happened in short, the people, the city was surrounded, it was under sage. Um, people began to starve. They began to eat each other. Eventually, some of the leaders tried to get out and escaped, and they were killed. And then the city was overthrown, and many of the people the best and the brightest, hauled off into Babylon, into captivity and slavery. This was complete ethnic and cultural genocide. Centuries of history and culture destroyed in a moment of time. And in the face of all this, the eyewitnesses are weeping and lamenting and expressing their pain. And this is what Lamentations is. You see the starting in verse 1. I'll just touch on a few verses picked from the text. Verse 1, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She was great among the nations. She who is a princess among the provinces has become a slave. The city, of course, that's being talked about here is Jerusalem, a city that was once great, that was once bustling full of people, is now empty, desolate, and dishonored. If you were to look at chapter 1 as a whole, the city is described like a woman, a widow, who is in agony and travel, in grief and devastation because everything she has ever known and loved has been taken away from her. 
And the language expresses that from A to C, the full breadth of adjectives. Let me read them to you because we don't have time to go through the first two chapters of lament. Let me just read the adjectives of lament in here so you get an idea. So you had the image of the widow in distress and she's crying alone. Um, A slave with no comfort, no friends, in exile, no rest, distress, mourning, desolate, groaning, afflicted, suffering, bitter, weak, wandering, mocked, stunned, faint, inflicted, netted, in fire, bound, yoked, rejected, crushed, trodden, deceived, perishing, and heart-wrung. That is a brutal, yes, range of emotions. It is the full emotional breadth being expressed to God. You notice then there is no sugarcoating it. There is no denial. There is no minimization of their heart's cry before God. And the same can be true with you. You do not need to sugarcoat your emotions before God. You do not need to deny and minimize them before God. You can bring it to Him, and He will hear you in the full breadth of everything that there is. This is so true. (laughs) Let me speak to that for a second. Do you doubt that? Do you doubt that you can come to God with a full range of emotions and all your pain and whatever and just offload it on Him, and He will actually hear you in your pain? you believe that? You know what gives me confidence that he will? This text. This text. The people's cries being expressed. The human words of crying and pain being expressed. And you know what happens with it? God takes it and makes it his word to us. This becomes scripture. You can express the full range of emotions to God. You don't need to sugarcoat it and deny it. He will hear you in your pain. And this text is evidence of that. He's glorified by that. He's glorified when you bring it to him. It's one of the purposes of lament. But why are the people of God lamenting? I've said a bit why. And two main, in life, more generally, if I zoom out, there are two main things that we lament. The two major categories, if you have it, there is suffering and there is sin. There is suffering and sin. Suffering. Everybody faces suffering. I remember once my mom telling, you know, story, I guess we were around, I don't remember, maybe we were around the supper table or something, and she's talking about her day, and she, you know, I was at the dentist office today, and there was just this, my mom didn't listen to the radio very much. It's like there's this song on the radio just over and over again. It's kind of like this wailing, it's like, everybody cries, everybody hurts, and I'm sitting there in the dentist chair, and they're drilling into my teeth, and I'm like, why don't they just stop this song? You guys remember that song? (laughs) Yeah, Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. Yeah, well, it's true, right? Our teeth decay. We get sick. We get cancer. There's diseases like COVID that sweep the world, okay? And in all of that, in our suffering, it's okay to admit things are not the way they are supposed to be. In Christianity, we call this the fall. There's a theology that, the, 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 that human rebellion and involvement in the world has off-put the whole ecosystem and caused it to, to fall. Scripture says that all creation groans like a woman in childbirth. It groans. It's, oh, it's in pain. It's awaiting a, a restoration. But for now, it groans, and we join in it in that groaning, don't we? 
So let me just say, like, if you were groaning, that, that default inclination is, is right. There is something wrong with the way that the world is. And so we lament suffering. Not suffering, we lament suffering. And we also lament sin. You know, about 40%, I've been told, of the Psalms contain lament, more or less. 40% of them contain lament. But there's a difference between the laments of the Psalms and the laments that we are reading here. You know what that is? The laments of the Psalms, most of them contain protests of innocence. Lord, vindicate me against my enemy. Show them I was innocent and so on. Most of the Psalms contain protests of innocence. But you know why Lamentations doesn't contain that? Why does Lamentations not contain a protest of innocence? Because they're not. They're not innocent. Jerusalem sinned grievously. That's verse 8. Verse 5, the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions, or you could say sin. And so sometimes we lament suffering, but other times we need to lament our sin. And that's important. It's important for us to lament our sin. By that, I do not mean to be sitting in your guilt. By that, I do not mean to be sitting in sort of despair and self-loathing and pity. No, not that at all. But the Scriptures talk about a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, that because Jesus has taken your sin and my sin on the cross, you can look the sin in the white of the eye, and it doesn't have to crush you. Why? Because Jesus bore it. He took it, and that's freeing. That's healing. That's life-giving. So you can look it in the eye and be free. And that, my friends, is godly sorrow. And it's that kind of sorrow you don't need to deny. You don't need to minimize it, right? You can look it in the white of the eye because you know what Jesus has done for you. And so you can take it to him. You don't have to hold it inside. You can bring it to him and express it to him. Don't repress it. Don't ignore it. Don't try it and keep it inside. Lament it to God, right? and he can heal you. Look at what the writer in Lamentations does in chapter 1 and verse 18. He says this, the Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. I have rebelled against his word. I've sinned, right? He takes personal response. I, he takes personal responsibility for corporate failure. Corporate failure that definitely also happened in the past, long before he ever existed. He takes personal responsibility for it. All right? And he also recognizes that God was just. The Lord is in the right. God was just to punish him in this way. And so this is what lament does. Unlike many of the Psalms, this lament is voicing a recognition of wrong. And so lament is this heartfelt expression in prayer to God in the face of suffering and in the face of our sin. This is what lament is. Now, why should we lament? What is the purpose of lament? Why should we go to God and lament? Well, maybe to help set this up, let me just look at why, why we don't lament, you know? What, what holds us back from just, just being real with God and going to Him honestly and lamenting? I think there's cultural things, and I think there's things within us. Culturally, the reason I don't think we lament, one of them certainly is that we, it, secularism, culturally, we have an ability, inability to face suffering head-on because we don't have the resources to deal with it. We don't have the resources to deal with pain and suffering, right? Think about it. In a secular world, right, the best way we can deal with our pain and suffering is essentially to ignore it, to scroll it to death, to 
sort of entertain yourself away, right? Because if you're really to think about in a world without God, right, in a world without the reason behind things existing, the more you think about the pain, your pain, the more you think about your suffering, the more it disorients you and shows you the chaos and meaninglessness of life. And so you can't think about it. You can't press into it because it's disorienting. It creates a chaos and meaninglessness within you, right? And so secularism doesn't give us the resources to lament. And so the best thing we can do then in that case is we just sort of focus forward, right? We just have this almost idolatry of progress in our societies. The future will be friendlier, right? It's just this like, just move on, just move forward. The best is yet to come. We say all of these kinds of lingui things just, just, just to, to, to move on and, and actually inadvertently in that, it becomes a sort of band-aid over the wounds that we carry, right? Because we're not actually processing through things, we're just going around things. Secularism doesn't give us the resources to deal with our suffering. But Christianity should be different, right? Right? With the triumph of Jesus over sin, death, and hell, we do have something to be opti- optimistic about. We do have something to rejoice. We do have reason to believe in progress, don't we? But let me say this. That is still not a reason to go around your suffering. That is still not a reason to just sort of band-aid over that. And so we can do that culturally, but we can also do that within the church. We need to go through our suffering. Why don't we want to go through our suffering? I think the main reason is we don't want to self-examine. We don't want to go through the pain of self-reflection. You know, I was thinking about this in the case of the church corporately. You know, why is it that as like churches, we don't like lamenting, particularly majority churches in the evangelical West? Why don't we like lamenting? Why don't we like just sitting and what has happened and what's going on? And you know what I think one of the main things is? is that we just don't feel like we have a lot to lament. We just sort of, we're so affluent and comfortable in this narrative of progress, we're just like, well, we don't have that much to lament. But is that actually true? No. At the same time, in some of our same context, there are churches of ethnic brothers and sisters, minority brothers and sisters, indigenous brothers and sisters, that were lamenting and had a lot to lament. Why don't we weep with those that do weep? Man, as an example, think, think of the African-American spiritual songs. Those are songs of lament. Have you listened to those songs? Those are powerful songs that express the pain of slavery. They were songs of resistance, songs that gave them hope. They were a powerful invitation for the brothers and sisters in other churches to enter into the pain that they were experiencing. And so often we didn't do that. Why have we not entered in? Either we're so wrapped up in our own comfortable lives with a narrative of progress, or if we were to actually enter into their pain, we'd have to recognize that we were part of the cause of it, that we have been the oppressor. (sighs) So hard. Why don't we lament? And yet we can. We can. Jesus makes it possible. This book shows us it is possible. We can lament. Jesus was the man of sorrows. He was a man acquainted with grief. He was the man of lamentations. He didn't hide his face from it. And because he didn't hide his face from it, neither do you need to hide your face from it. Because he sets us free. He has borne 
the burden of our pain and our sickness and our sin and the ways that we have oppressed each other. And you know what? When you experience that, that's healing. Lament has a power to bring healing when you bring it to King Jesus and you see the way that he has become the man of sorrows on your behalf. Do you know that? Lament helps us to heal. He was embodied. He embodied our sufferings. And because Jesus embodied your sufferings like that, like a man of sorrows, this is evidence. He is not aloof and disconnected and living in the, you know, the affluence and prosperous progress of heaven. No, he entered in. He entered in. He came down. And that shows us that he is present and he cares. And so lament helps us voice that. It helps us voice us to trust that God is present with us in our suffering. And this is one of the purposes of lament. I already said that lament, right, it helps us glorify God. It helps us glorify God in that it humbles us, in that it, it, it reveals our vulnerability before Him, and, and God is glorified in that. And it also, lament doesn't just help us glorify God, it helps us to give voice, right, to our trust that God is present. It helps us give voice to our repentance, right, that we have done wrong. And if we don't do that, what happens? If we don't take time to examine ourselves and the ways that we've wronged others, what's gonna, we're going to do it again. And so lament helps us memorialize the ways that we've gone wrong. It is so important for us to lament. Lament in our sin. Lament in our suffering. You know, take the golden calf as an example. In the time of Israel, they're supposed to worship God alone. You're not supposed to create any sort of idols of him. And then they do that. And what, what happens after that? What happens when they worship the golden calf? What is the acted lament, if you would have it, they had to do? Anybody remember? They had to grind it up and drink it. They had to grind up the gold and drink it in powdered form and water. That was a form of acted lament. This was not God saying, I'm going to punish you in this way. This was God saying, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember how you receive grace this time so that you do not do this again another time. This is God's way of helping us. Lament helps us do that. So lament, it glorifies God. It helps give voice to, to, to trust God and to, to, to be repentant before him. And that actually heals us. That's like a healing balm on our open wound. Remember I said we go around it. We just sort of put a Band-Aid on it. Lament helps us go through it by voicing trust and repentance before God, receiving his healing. By his wounds, we are healed. And, so and then finally, a purpose of lament helps us sympathize with others. Lament helps us sympathize with others. You know, I think another reason why we don't lament is we are afraid of just being too emotional. You're just getting too emotional. You know, people say, you're just, I don't want to be called an emotional person. You know, people say this kind of stuff all the time, right? But I found this so helpful. Dane Ortland in his book, Gentle and Lowly, says basically think about it like this. Guys, Jesus was fully human. He was a fully emotional person and yet without sin. He experienced the full range of emotions, of fear. He knew what anxiety and shame and anger were like. Jesus experienced the full range of emotions. You don't have to worry about being overly emotional. Is it possible to be overly emotional in sin? Yes, think like self-pity. But guys, it's also equally dangerous to be under-emotional, to be under-feeling for what God's heart is for somebody who is in pain and suffering. 
But this is not the heart of Jesus. Jesus is never under-emotional. Jesus never underfeels for the pain that you are going through. No, he fully felt it, and he is present with you in it, and you can bring it to him. His heart throbs for you. His heart bleeds for you. You can know that today. And so you can take your pain and your weaknesses to him. And so lament, what does it do? It helps us glorify God. It helps us to trust Him and in our healing and repent to Him and receive healing. It helps us sympathize with others in their weakness. These are all the purposes of lament. Jesus said it like this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So what do we have to lament? What do we have to lament? If I'm to open it up, to you, the floor, nationally. Let's go nationally. What do we have to lament as a nation? I see some hesitation in answering. I know there's an election tomorrow. I know every political party says there is a problem and I will be the solution, okay? I want you to set aside your political categories for a second and just recognize it is possible for us to lament without making it political. It is possible for us to enter into other people's pain without becoming political about it. What do we have to lament as a nation? Residential schools. Thank you. What else? Sorry? Homelessness. Yes. Drug addiction, yes. Poverty, yes. Smoking, COVID. There's all sorts of things that are present in our nation that are cause for us to lament. We exterminate our own offspring. These are tragedies to the heart of God. In our city, poverty, homelessness. What about the tensions between the English and the French? If you're new to the city, let me tell you, corruption in our construction industry has been going on for years here. The mafia is a real thing here. We have so many things to lament in our nation, so many things to lament in our city. And then what about even in our own lives? Abuse, trauma, a car accident, a broken family, a lost relationship. These are all causes to lament. Don't minimize it. Don't deny it. Don't go around it. Enter into it. But bring Jesus along with you. How do we do that? How do we bring Jesus along with us? There's this beautiful line in chapter 2 and verse 19. It says this. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Pour out your heart like water. Do that. Let it go. Just let it splash down in the presence of the Lord. Don't hold back. <laughs> yeah. That's what he wants from us. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord in all of the confusion, in all of the theological inappropriateness of what you might say. Pour out your heart like water before the Lord because he wants you to be intimate with him. That's what he wants. It's an expression of intimacy. You know, I was told once there are five levels of conversation. Have you ever heard of this? I think it's from a sociologist or something. There's five layers or levels of conversation. Let me go through them with you quickly. Level one, okay? Level one is facts 
um, and observations. There's an election tomorrow. It's a beautiful day today. Facts and observations, level one. Level two, events and stories. I came uh, along to worship God today with the family of God, whatever. Okay, so level one, facts, observations. Level two, events and stories. Level three, opinions. I, um, I got the shot, and I think you should too, or whatever. I mean, people say these kinds of things all the time. So that's level three is opinions. Level four is emotions, okay? This is how I felt about your opinion about getting the shot. This is how I experienced joy this morning when I met with the people of God. This is how I felt like there was a sort of pressure for me to be in a place I didn't really feel like I was. Emotions, that's level four. What do you think level five is? If level four is emotions, what's level five? Anybody know? Level five is your raw, unprocessed emotions. It's who you are unfiltered. And for most of us, we will have in our lives one or two people that we can be intimate with that like, like with that. And think about what's being expressed in these laments. These laments are level five, raw, unprocessed emotions. And that is the level of intimacy that God wants with you. Pour out your heart like water before the Lord. Don't hold back. Don't minimize. Don't deny. Just bring it to him, and he will meet you there. What are the places we have to do that in the church? Personally, there's confession of sin. The Christian life is a life of repentance before him. Corporately, we do that on a Sunday morning in a small way. We'll read off a confession. That's an opportunity for us to enter into something like that. We do communion as well. We're out of communion cups for today, but in communion, this is an opportunity for a moment of lament. Paul said, let a man examine himself, and then so let him eat. It's an opportunity for lament. Events in the church calendar like Lent or Good Friday, those are opportunities to enter into it. What about spiritual disciplines like fasting or reading through the Psalms? singing the psalms. These are all spaces and places for you to have opportunity to lament. Take advantage of those spaces. Don't. They're not needless. You need those spaces. We need those spaces, okay? I want to end um, this morning by reading to you Psalm 13. Um, and I'll actually go ahead and invite the musician up. I'm sorry I didn't give you advance notice of this. But I want to end this morning by reading Psalm chapter 13. And I want to speak, I want this psalm to speak to those people who came here this morning and felt like what I described at the beginning, a pressure, a pressure to celebrate, a pressure to be happy, clappy, a pressure to be something you just, quite frankly, like you were, a place you didn't feel you were at. And if you feel like the church is a place that you can express her, if you feel like the church is a place that you can't express plain, I want you to remember that that is not supposed to be the way it is. We want you to be able to express your pain. We want you to be able to express your hurts. We want that to be able to occur, yes, before God, but yes, also in community. You're not going to be able to do that all in a moment like right now, but Take advantage of this throughout the week. Take advantage of the fact that you're not alone in your suffering and your pain, that we want to be here with you. My friends, for those of you who are mourning, 
For those of you who are angry, for those of you who are in pain, Jesus is present with you in your pain. You can trust him. He is not under-emotional. His heart throbs for you. Let me read this over you now. Take a deep breath. This is Psalm chapter 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, for I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it expresses the cries of our heart. Father, I pray for anybody here who is angry, who is grieving, who is in pain, that you would meet them in this place. Spirit of God, would you bring a healing balm over the wounds of our hearts? Would be, we be unafraid to express them to you in their full breadth? Lord, you are eager to hear them, and you will be present with us in them. Come, Holy Spirit. Teach us to pray. Teach us to lament. Teach us to mourn. And we claim your promise. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as